to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Welcome everybody to Paint, Rest, Repeat. We are chatting this week about how to make money from your art. Is that right, Laura? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, making money for artists. Woohoo, let's do it. So how are we going to start? We were going to start by talking maybe about some of my Art for the Heart members because I've been welcoming in a lot of new members at the moment and it's been a topic, you know, how can I make money from my art? I think it's an ongoing topic and I feel like Art supplies are expensive. So whether you're a hobby artist and want to make more money to support your art practice, or if you want to grow an art business and like the steps that you can take and the different income streams that you can sort of think about to generate more money as a creative person. Yeah, definitely. Because I think the theme that I'm seeing as well is a lot of people who are wanting to like maybe they're on mat leave or they're just not liking their job and they're just wanting not to go back to that job and they love their art and they just want to do art and not have to go back and you know they're keen to push their art to a point where it can make some money for them so they don't have to go back to that role or as you're saying just to pay for art supplies as well so oh do you remember if you go back go back cast your mind back <laughs> To when you first made money out of art? I think it was in uni and someone bought like a little, there was an exhibition and it was like little 12 by 12. So there were minis and it was a screen print. And yeah, then there was a massive break in between me money making money from art. So I worked various cafe jobs to support my art. I worked in retail and yeah, I had a whole heap of side gigs. It wasn't until I moved to Ballarat that, oh, and actually, no, sorry, I apologize. It wasn't until I moved to Ballarat. I was really unhappy in my retail job and I decided I was going to kick that to the side and just dive in to make money as a creative person. And so I was sharing my skills and I'm a natural teacher. Like not everyone is a natural teacher, but I really love sharing my skills and knowledge. And I feel like I am really good at explaining steps and encouraging people that may not have created like from a beginner standpoint. So yeah, that sort of became one of my main income streams. And then I focused in on my teaching. So that sort of supported my art practice. And I was able to invest money back into the creative projects that I wanted to do. But in terms of like selling my art, only like Three years ago, like I really got back into it as well. And then, you know, I had the goal for the solo exhibition. I had some Instagram sales and yeah, having a physical exhibition. That's when I made like the most money from my art that I'd ever done. But it took like extreme, intense focus and intention. I did lots of journaling and sort of uncovering all of those blocks and things that I had in place with making money as an artist because there is like lots of sort of different stories that we're told growing up. And like, I was one of the people that sort of took on 
that it's hard to make money as an artist. We all do. Sort of mentality. <laughs> it's not just you. <laughs> so it did take a lot of personal development and intention because it was something that I felt burning inside me. I'm like, I really want to make money from my art. I want to do commissions. I want to paint large artworks. I want to have a solo show. And so, yeah, I sort of like wrote in my diary that I wanted to make four and a half thousand dollars from my exhibition. And I hit that goal. And it was really like, it's pretty amazing. Like, yeah, awesome. Well done. Once you like dedicate, it wasn't solely from the exhibition. So the universe delivered and I made a certain amount. I can't remember the numbers now. I did that. But then I got a big commission right after my solo show. And then that made up the four and a half that I'd written down on a piece of paper of like what I wanted to make from my art. Was that from somebody who came to the exhibition though or somebody who saw your promo or? Yeah, they saw, they didn't come to my exhibition, I don't think, but they were in my network. They saw that I was very active with creating my work and obviously they liked my style and they had confidence in what I was creating. And yeah, so I got a really big commission off the back of the exhibition. So I feel like when you put a heap of energy and intention into something and you sort of work on maybe some of the mindset stuff that's holding you back and put a lot of energy into it, that's when you reap the rewards. Yeah, definitely. Another friend of mine who I talk about often, actually, um, a local Italian painter, He's having an exhibition at the moment. And by the time this episode goes live, it will be over. But he's finding actually with his exhibition that it is bringing on sales from of his works from his previous exhibition. So, I mean, he could be thinking, oh, this particular exhibition is a flop. Actually, I don't know if he's having sales from the current artwork. So, you know, I'm not sharing any info. I shouldn't be sharing because I just don't know that he could be taking it on as a flop of an exhibition or he could be thinking, well, actually, no, I'm, st- I'm still selling. It's just artworks from the previous show that hadn't sold previously. I think I'd still wrap that all up, you know, in the same package of success, like your commission. That definitely would be the success. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Art sales. Thank you very much, you know. <laughs> thank you very much. What about you? I'd like to know about like your jumping into your art, making money and the various different income streams. And like, did you have those stories around? It's really hard to make money as an artist, all of that sort of starving artist mentality. So I I definitely had a bit of that, but I think (laughs) to put it out there, to share all, I think I disliked my job, my day job enough to push through that. And so that's where my head was at. And I needed art so much that it wasn't even an option for me to stay where I was in my day job. I needed to make a career out of it and make some money out of it so I could carry on doing it. So that's that's where I was at. Yeah, I feel like that was very similar for me. Like I hated my retail job and I'm like, I have so much more to give than this. And I wasn't being like valued in the workplace either. Like I was very disposable. I know that feeling so much. Just like I'm not being, I'm not being utilized. Like, yeah, I just have more to give. And this is not where I'm going to grow. This is not where I'm going to be doing, like fulfilling my purpose. Yeah, I know that feeling. So if there are other people in a similar position, 
how can we encourage them to take that step? Especially like, you know, with all the stories around, you know, job security and raising costs of living and like that could be like really quite scary at this point in time. I think the key is diversity. So having a diverse sort of set of forms of income, streams of income. (laughs) Um, And this makes me think a lot of Elizabeth Gilbert's book as well, Big Magic. And she talks in her book about making sure that you have a job and income coming in so that it can pay for your art career and support your art. Because the second you apply that financial pressure to your art, it puts just basically, it's quite a dangerous amount of pressure on your creativity and your practice. So I think having multiple streams of income that are still art related, if, if you can manage it, I think that is the way to do it. What do you think? No, I totally agree. And that's what I've done in the past too. I mean, I feel like teaching has been the way that I was, I'm able to support my personal practice and grow like as an artist teaching, like whether it's group or one-on-one. I work with artists with disability as well. So we're located in Australia. It's called NDIS, National Disability Insurance Scheme. So having that as a basis of like regular income that comes in to my business and then, then that supports the painting side and the creative practice. So then I'm able to create work for exhibition whenever I organize one or create work for commissions and different things like that. This podcast episode is sponsored by Laura's Soul Medicine Painting Workshop, which is for women who are seeking a beautiful, holistic healing painting experience, where you get access to me one-on-one, as well as a beginner-friendly art kit. Go to www.laurajaneday.com slash work with me to find out more. And what that does is you can still make money out of your exhibitions. You can still make money out of your art, but it removes that sense of pressure. And I just, I just don't know how you'd operate with that level of pressure. I just think that would just be challenging, (laughs) very challenging. Some people are all in with their art though. I feel like it takes a long time to sort of like build that reputation, create the different networks and either a support from a gallery or retailers, or if you want to do like your full promotion, like all by yourself and creating like your customer base, just solo. Like I think it really takes a long time. I yeah. think it's great. And 100% definitely possible. Oh, for sure. Like people do it all the time. And that's the big dream. But I think just to put that pressure on your art practice from the get-go to do that, that's what I'm saying. I just think that's just a recipe for high stress. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when I was reading Big Magic, that sort of did resonate with me because I think it can take a bit of fun out of it and you can lose your spark. I think creative people like juggling a few different projects anyways. Like I think it sort of comes naturally to us as creatives. That's true. I think, I see, I can't be in that creative flow state, for example, for a long amount of time. I actually find it tiring. Like I, I love to create, but then I hit like a point and I'm like, okay, I've got to step away from the easel now and I've got to do something else, you know? So that variety I think is probably good for our process. I do find the same. Yeah. 
So what have you done, Roz, with all of your different income streams and all the different ways that you have made money from your creative endeavours? Give us a little rundown. Too many things. Okay, so what I do currently, I have, thanks to you actually, I have a couple of NDIS students that I work with and that forms a good part of my income. So that helps a lot. And it's also epically rewarding. So I've got that. And then I do also my Art for the Heart membership and I have my growing member base there. We paint together once a month and we connect once a week, et cetera, et cetera. And then in addition to that, I also run my kids art program, which works well. So I used to be a primary teacher. So it sort of connects with that and my art. And that is also really rewarding because I'm helping kiddos who need an outlet and need to feel good about something. And I'm giving them that gift. So that is a really, really, it's a big part of my income, but it's also a really rewarding part of my income. So this is what I was thinking about when you were chatting about not liking retail and feeling sort of underutilized. I don't know if the word is lucky, but how thankful I am to be able to have an income stream from what I love doing from art. Like how, how lucky are we? I don't, I still don't know if that's the right word (laughs) because it's taken a lot of work, but (laughs) I feel lucky and grateful. And I'm also like proud of myself that I was able to create a job that suits my lifestyle. So I've talked about it in podcasts before, like I have a chronic illness, I need to manage my time and energy. And so I've got like full uh, control over when I show up for work and make my appointments and teach my students and, you know, set my group workshops. So then I've got like downtime to rest and relax and do the things that I enjoy and look after my health. So, but that wasn't always the case. I, previous to this, like a couple of years ago, I was the program coordinator for an art program at a hospital. So I was accountable to other people. And then that was still a side gig. It was still like creative and, you know, it was a good job, but I just, I really love that I've got like full control now and I can, I've just created this job And it just started from like one person and then, you know, it sort of led and it grew and, you know, now I've got like four one-on-one clients and then sort of I do... Your workshops as well? Yeah, casual group workshops as well. So that's been really supportive to my arts practice. But I do feel like I am in a teaching mode at the moment and then that's my sort of primary focus. So that's where I am at the moment. And I do have a little bit of a calling to get back into my commissions and get back into creating like larger paintings. And doing a group show with me, Laura. Yeah, we have floated that idea, haven't we? Yeah, and and Laura, I'm going to put you on the spot because if you're listening today and you think Laura and I should do a group show together, (laughs) send Laura a DM because over on Insta because I'm trying to get her involved. Uh, is it me? Is it me that I'm holding it, holding it back? Yeah. Well, I'm the energy. I'm the one that's going, let's do it, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I am very cautious. Uh, my last group workshop is going to be on September 10. So then that's when my brain can relax a little bit and my time and space opens up. I actively decided that I was going to stop the group workshops so I could open up space for my personal practice. So then that's 
that's my sort of focus for October, November, December, doing that, researching some retailers. And I know you've got a retailer as well. And then that's something that you're wanting to grow as like part of the foundation for your art business as well. Like that's another option for people out there. Yeah, definitely. So to reach out to places like I'm with Art to Art and they're really beautiful and supportive, by the way, you can head to their website. They've got a little submission sort of tab. And then even, you know, entering the Fenton and Fenton uh, competition and jumbled and things like that. And then even, even retailers closer to home, you know, little homeware stores and boutique, cute little places. That's a good avenue as well. Yeah. There are ways that you can do it like 100% solo as well. So then you're getting like full price because obviously you need to consider the commission that the retailers take when you're uh, putting your work out there. So there will be places in your local community that you can approach potentially free exhibition spaces as well. Like my two solo shows was in a hotel And the benefit for them was that they got art on their walls for six weeks, but I had to organize the whole show. So there was like a lot of effort involved in it, but I did get financially rewarded. I did get to like grow my audience and people supported my art and I did find it was successful for me. Yeah. So there are ways that you can do that. I feel like when people see that you are creating art, there is like a sense of energy behind it. Mm -hmm. And then that can be reciprocated in a way, even if it's just an Instagram sale. That's how we met, Roz. Oh, it is. (laughs) You bought one of my artworks. True. On my Instagram sale. That is actually very true. And so I think that's true. It's like, I think where you put your energy, you know, wherever you put your energy, more will come. And that's from, that's a whole, you know, universe thing. Definitely. Well, you sold a lot through that Instagram sale. Yeah, that was really good too. So that was, I can't remember how long it was after my solo show, but I had a whole heap of work and it was sitting there. I'm like, oh, like I really just need to like clear space so then I can reinvest into buying more art supplies to create my next series of work. So it was really simple. Like all I did was just take photos and put them on my Instagram stories And then, yeah, I sold a whole heap of work. Uh, So that's another potential, like a sort of easy thing that you could try. But I was just thinking as I was talking then, if you are sort of a hobby artist and you are wanting to get into selling, you might not have sold too many pieces. Maybe thinking about the presentation side of your work and the surfaces that you're creating on the quality of your materials. I feel like when I first got back into painting, I was getting big canvases from the cheapo shop and like I was just using like some house paint and just random paint and the quality was not artist quality. And then it totally changed. Like I made so much more art sales when I actually invested in really good quality cotton stretched canvas, framed canvases, and even my paperwork. So the watercolour paper, 300 GSM watercolour paper, the paperwork was framed. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like ridiculously expensive. I got some frames if you're located in Australia. These are retailers in Australia. I got some from Kmart. I got some from Freedom and they were relatively cheap. I mean, obviously the Kmart ones like were sort of basic quality, like they weren't 100%. 
But for my solo show, having the work ready to go, it's already framed up. The customer doesn't have to worry about sourcing the frame or making it look presentable. It already had the hanging thing on the back, like sort of making it easy for the customer to sort of jump and make that sale. Thinking about that presentation is kind of important too. And you want to get those art, that art, like your art up on their wall ASAP. So I bought an artwork recently, which I absolutely adore. And it came unframed and it's sitting there. It's so funny. I go to my framer all the time, but to remember to bring it with me is another matter. You frame in the budget frames, at least it's framed, at least it can go on the walls. And then your purchaser or your buyer can go and upgrade that frame if they want to. And it's a choice they can make, but it's still ready to go up on the wall and they can envisage it as well at home in a specific location. Oh, we have a review. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, great. Let's read that. I think it's it's an international review, I think. It is. So this review is from a listener from the United States and her name is Verano Amore. And I hope I'm saying that correctly. And I don't have your Instagram handle, Verano. So if you are on Instagram, can you please shoot us a little DM so we can give you a shout out at least over on Instagram? And Verano has said, I love listening to Laura and Rose while I'm creating. They are a pleasant boost of energy in the studio and always leave me feeling more confident and legit as an artist by the end of the episode. I like that they talk about some of the negative aspects and feelings artists get while giving little nuggets of inspiration to help artists both improve their art practice and feelings of self-worth. Thanks for inspiring me from across the globe. Absolute pleasure, Verano. Thank you for your lovely review. That's so nice. We really appreciate all your reviews. Roz and I were just talking about on Spotify, you can actually give us a five-star rating. So we would really appreciate it if you help us grow the podcast by leaving us that five-star rating if you're enjoying our chats and what we're talking about. We're also releasing these on YouTube as well. So send us a comment, like, subscribe. We'd really appreciate that to help get our channel like up and running and help us get noticed more on YouTube. And yeah, you can leave a review still through Apple Podcasts, but not everyone is a Apple podcast because I'm I'm an Android user. So I don't know how to log on to all of that and do the review, but we would love to share your Instagram handle and help promote you and your art practice and what you're doing even if it's a story share or whatever, like any way that you want to give us feedback or reviews on this podcast, we'd really appreciate it. That would be amazing. So I'm not an Apple human either. And my first Apple review that I left was actually for Susan Nethercutt's podcast. And I just, as a favor, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave her an Apple review. I have no idea how. And so I Googled how to do it. I made a new Apple account and I went in and I did my little words and they came through to her and I was like, yes, I did something. I supported the art world. So yeah, if you can be bothered, it would really mean a whole lot to us. We actually have a little link that we share in the show notes to a blog on my website, which explains all the steps for how to leave an Apple review. So 
If you're a keen bean, if you've got five minutes, it would really be amazing. And if there's a tech hurdle, like you can just send us a DM or something like that or email or what do I do? Or flail your arms and panic. A handwritten note, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. By carrier pigeon, that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so we got off track with our lovely review from the US and encouraging people to reach out to us. But let's think about some other ways that people can make money as an artist. I've written down here making products out of your art. So whether it's like cards, prints, or getting your designs printed on t-shirts. Yeah, there's a whole heap of different things that you can do. Definitely. So I'm taking notes. So we've got Teaching was obviously the other really big one that we we touched on, but we just didn't categorize it. So teaching is great. If you enjoy teaching, if it's rewarding, teaching in the area of art is just, well, both of us love it. So (laughs) um, we will recommend that. And then, yeah, products. So products, how would you go about products? I mean, my mind automatically goes to Society 6, but you only get a very small slice of income from that. Yeah, so there is Society 6, there's Printful, but you only get a small commission. I actually, through my client sessions, I actually found a uh, printing dropshipping company located in Ferntree Gully in Victoria. So if you are after t-shirts or other products and you're interested in the dropshipping model, I would recommend they're called Ogo, O-G-O, and they use as color t-shirts, which are manufactured in Australia. So yeah, from an ethical standpoint and things like that, like if you want to support jobs in Australia, you want to support a printing company located in Australia, because a lot of the big dropshipping companies and things like that, they're based overseas. So for our Australian listeners, that might be something to look into. With that, you do like it depends like if you're doing markets there is a little bit of a financial outlay in terms of having the stock on hand i guess markets another way to promote your work and your art as well so there's like the big design markets that you can do or there's local market you've done a few markets i've done a few markets in the past when i had my screen printing business so i create did uh, hand printed screen printed tea towels and cushions and cards and different things like that. Yeah, definitely. Tea towels are quite popular on this part of Australia. So tea towels are really good. I think art on products is a great way because your price point for selling is lower and people are more likely to buy because they don't need to invest a huge amount. They don't need a spare space on their walls as well. So I think that is quite a good avenue. And then like you're saying, if you're thinking about the market style option, you need to have the stock ready, which means there's a bigger upfront investment and a risk as well, because you might overorder. Well, actually that's probably my own problem. I don't like having excesses of stock, whereas I know other people are happy to have stock like laid out in storage. They're happy with that. Or as you're saying, there's the print on demand option. I mean, you can even have your artwork printed on products through the standard online places like Vistaprint. I think Kmart even does some printing on products as well. Quality, not amazing, but there are options. Yeah, that's definitely a good one to go down. What about wholesaling? Would you ever, is that too far? I've never done wholesale before. I just don't have the time to service that model. 
I think like you need to be all in, but I mean, it's an option for people. Like if teaching is not for them, they could replace the income stream with like a few different things and wholesale models like work for some people. Yeah. I've got a friend, um, Sandra Gale. You can look her up at Sandra Gale Studio and she does a lot of wholesale and she just did a couple of fairs and she picked up, you know, 16 extra suppliers in one fair. So it is possible if that's, yeah, if that's the avenue that you want to take. If you are doing like the print model as well, like I feel like that would work in a wholesale arena or even like ceramicists and things like that. Like they would probably wholesale to restaurants and cafes and other retailers. I guess like the gallery sort of model, your local gallery or things like that. Like they are taking a commission. So to make a chunk of money, like you have to allow for that commission or the retail price, like whatever the people are taking that percentage off that. But yeah, it's all potentials. Yeah. Commissions are tricky ones, aren't they? So how I've done it, because I've got my art now with art to art is I have increased the price of my art to cater for that commission. So I'm not out of pocket. But what it does mean is that all of my other art has to have, that is not with art to art, has to have a comparable price. So there is an impact. You've got to think that one through. But it's, I also, when I met Philippa, I was like, Philippa, just have my money. Like you're a beautiful human. <laughs> she's so she's the curator at Art to Art. So I'm not afraid of giving my money and paying her for her help and her expertise and her just fabulous humanness. So, <laughs> you know, you've got to think about it that way as well. They do actually need a share of that money to cover the work that they put into the situation. And they've got like, they're selling it for you too. So like that model works really well for people that maybe don't want to do what I did and put all the energy and effort in like marketing and promoting my own solo exhibition and building up that customer base from scratch. Like that's what you're paying them for because they've got active buyers and like it can be really quite profitable for artists and like they're constantly creating for to service the retail model. But yeah, it's it's really interesting to talk about all the potentials. And then the other one I've got though on my list before I forget about it is grants and council related stuff as well, because my art recently is in my local area as part of the local festival. So I designed the artwork for the program that goes with the festival. I've painted a piano for this special event, which is really exciting. And the council paid me properly. Like they paid me as they should because they are, you know, a government body or whatever you want to call it. So they've got to stick to the regulations and all of that. So that's another avenue. You're good with grants, aren't you? You've got a lot of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I have. I've applied for various grants, like when I was working for disability organisations. So like it was a shared studio and yeah, we sort of got some funding for that. But then also for my own personal art practice, I got a Creative Victoria grant for $7,500 and that was to support me in creating new artwork. So that they're, they're all out there. It depends what grant you're going for, whether it's competitive or not, but it's worth putting your hat in the ring and looking around for all of the different things that are available. So like I'm based in Victoria, so there's Creative Vic. There's also like regional funds as well. So if you're based in a regional area, that's worth looking at. And like you said, like local councils, that's a great income stream for artists. 
I think that brings up as well the whole concept of a recurring income versus little cash injections. So that is, I think we might need another episode on this, but just to look at, because if you're trying to replace an income, for example, from a previous position, you'd need to have as much of that recurring as possible. And anything like your grants are amazing and you should definitely be going for them, but they're going to give you just little injections rather than, you know, constant stream of money Botox. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't had Botox people. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, another thing I just wanted to quickly mention, we, we are thinking about getting a money mindset coach in to talk about all those things because I really feel like doing that personal introspection, looking at your stories around money, looking at like all the possibilities of how you can make money as a creative and working through that, that has like really helped me in, you know, making this a full-time thing for me. And becoming famous, Laura. It's helped. <laughs> Autographs available. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're we're working on that on in the background. So we will bring you an interview coming up soon, I think. And I also want to do a shameless little plug to say that I've just lost my marbles temporarily and started a new Instagram account. So if you would like to. Yes, you have. Laura's Not like, lost your marbles, you but like, yes, you've started a new Instagram account. <laughs> so if you would like to help me to get up past 100 followers, you may. I am at Ros Gervais Art. And can you tell the listeners the purpose of that account too? What's happened over time is that my Ros Gervais creative Instagram account has become very focused on my mentoring and my teaching, which I find epically rewarding as all of you know. And this new account is me visibly and loudly and proudly carving out space for my own art, my personal art practice over on Instagram. So I'm looking at it and taking it very slow and gently and very realistically, two posts a week, something like that, but just making that space because often it comes um, second to everything else. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just an easy place for people to land when they're specifically interested in buying your art or getting a commission off you or, you know, servicing your retailers as like a point of contact and to like showcase like all your amazing talents and all the different things the painting styles and different things that you create. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's the one. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, we better go. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Catch you guys. So that was a good chat. Catch you guys in two weeks with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.